0: When I was a kid, I was absolutely scared to death of death. I couldn't even fathom what happens when the so-called lights go out. And that really like gave me nightmares and a whole bunch of anxiety and all of that. Luckily, fast forward multiple decades, that's no longer a fear of mine. Through spiritual and philosophical work, I have accepted that that's a part of all our stories. And in today's conversation with Megan Gardner, uh, she volunteers for hospice and holds a sacred space for human beings that are towards the end of their life story, taking the last few steps. She shares one of the best stories that's ever been told on the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. And it is a masterclass on empathy, on listening, on powerful storytelling that we can use as leaders. You're going to love this episode. Hey, it's Danny, and welcome to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, a show for ruckus makers, those out-of-the-box leaders making change happen in education. And we'll be right back after these messages from our show sponsors. Develop your structures, systems, supports, and culture for excellent teaching and learning in every classroom for every student as part of Leading Learning, a brand new certificate of school management and leadership course from Harvard. Leading Learning launches on July 21st and runs until August 18th. Apply by July 9th and enroll by July 15th at Schools dot com forward slash Harvard. That's BetterLeadersBetterSchools.com dot com forward slash Harvard. During COVID, every teacher is a new teacher. That's why innovative school leaders are turning to Teach FX, whose virtual PD is equipping thousands of teachers with the skills they need to create engaging, equitable, and rigorous virtual or blended classes. To learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer, visit teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. That's teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. All students have an opportunity to succeed with Organized Binder, who equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning, whether that's in a distance, hybrid, or traditional educational setting. Learn more at organizedbinder.com. Hey, Ruckus Makers. Uh, I have to admit, I am joined today by somebody new to my network, but honestly, one of my favorite people now. And you are going to love Megan Gardner, who is the founder of Guardian Adventures, which develops innovative and educational programs using games and stories to create emotionally immersive experiences. She is also the creator of culturaled.net, a searchable database for finding cultural educators who can help schools make their subjects more culturally appropriate and relevant to all students. Megan, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Danny. It's great to
0: be here. I am so uh, excited to have and record this uh, conversation for Ruckus Makers. And something that is really unique to your story is that you're a hospice volunteer. And that experience has really transformed uh, your approach to leadership. And can you just bring us into one of those moments?
1: Sure. Um, So I think the most transformative moment that I've had In hospice was when I was with a World War II vet, and I was told when I came in um, to work with him by his family that he wouldn't talk about the war. And I said, "Yeah, no problem. You know, I I have a lot of interests, and he did too. And we could just create a relationship out of that." And so we would talk about business um, and and sports and cars. And then one time I came in, I would visit him every week. And one time I came in, and he He seemed to be in a very quiet mood. And out of the blue, he started talking about something he witnessed during the war. And I'm not gonna tell you what it is because it was very personal to him. But it was it was very gut-wrenching and difficult. And I listened to him and it was it was something he witnessed a soldier do. And he stopped at the end of the story and he said, What do you think about what that soldier did? And I paused for a moment and I really like, because he was a good storyteller. He really told an amazing perspective out it on it and I felt like I was there. And I said, you know, I, um, I can't possibly imagine what it would feel like to be human in an inhumane environment for so long. So I feel for that soldier and for the weight that he would carry for the actions that he did. And my patient kind of nodded and and he said, you know, I never thought of it that way. And I thought, you know, that's kind of I looking back on it, I thought that was probably a good thing to say, because I think it maybe helped him kind of release some judgment on the soldier. And then um, the next week I came back to talk to him again and he told me the same story, but he was the soldier. Yeah. And I was I just let him keep going and um and at the end I said, you know, I stick to what I said. I think that it's really hard to be even a little bit humane in an inhumane environment. And I, I can't fathom the difficulties that you were you went through um during this, you know, beyond my ability to understand how much pain how much pain he's carried. He was ninety ninety seven. he he had carried that story with him untold for almost seven, for what, 75 years or so. And I realized the power of somebody giving you a story, and even more, the power of receiving that story without judgment. And in, I, I like to say that in my work as an educator, I help people, I co-create stories with them and I help them find their stories and what they want, the story that they want to navigate in their life. Um, And then we embody that and bring that together and make that into an adventure. And the other end of it, in my hospice work, I collect people's stories. I hear their stories of things that have happened in their life. And I try to honor that. And both situations I'm trying to do this without judgment. I'm trying to step myself out of that picture and bring them fully front and center. You know, it's funny because I actually got my degree in video research because I thought that I wanted to be a filmmaker, a video maker. And what I realized after, unfortunately, after a long time of not Really enjoying the industry was that I didn't want to tell my story. And I didn't even want to tell a story by itself. I wanted to co create stories. And so, um, so that's how I came upon my business of, of creating these educational adventures where our students, our participants navigate a story where they're a character in the story. And then I added an element to this, which is that we would bring in cultural educators. Um, who would help us to explore cultural stories because I wasn't really satisfied with having our students just navigate your, because we do a lot of like mythical stories. We do a lot of fantastical stories. So like wizards and warriors and zombie apocalypse and superhero and stuff because fantasy, it has this ability for us to open up possibilities. And when you can open possibilities, innovation and creativity thrive. and, and it's why I tell people if, if you're struggling with coming up with a solution, take a break and go read a good fantasy short story and it will change how you're thinking, right? Because it, it starts to stimulate more possibilities. So what we started doing was instead of, instead of presenting your – classical Arthurian legends and your Eurocentric stories, I wanted to to have our students explore stories from around the world. Uh, Instead of making up the stories, I wanted to collect the world's stories and share those stories and co-create adventures based on those stories. But in order to do that, I realized I was treading into stories that I am not an expert in. So we would only select a culture when we found a cultural educator who was a specialist in those stories. So when we explored Native American myths and legends, um we would or or just their cultural stories we actually hired on two native american cultural educators one from the abenaki tribes and one from the arawak tribes and we chose those because abenaki they are up in the algonquin um so uh territory so up by canada a little bit down to the us um, and then the arawak are down the caribbean and uh and over into the mexico area and so By choosing two cultures that were so different, people could see that when they use this nebulous term of Native American, that they're actually talking about an immensely diverse (laughs) number of cultures uh, as opposed to one culture called Native American. And by exploring these stories, kids would begin to see that even though the language was different, the clothing's different, maybe the skin color's different, their stories are still the hero's journey. Their stories are still explaining how existence came to be. Their stories are intended to teach children what to do, what, what's, what's a, a, the right way, you know, how to be an adult, if you will, how to be a hero. And so um, when they navigate these stories, they begin to realize that the essence of the, the, these cultural stories are actually the same as my favorite stories. And so my hope is that in doing this, that they can actually begin to see more commonality between themselves and people of other cultures and break down those barriers of judgment, which I was talking about in the in the hospice um, experience as well.
0: Yeah, I was curious about that how you how you suspend judgment when this thing, uh, especially in in a story where some horrific things I imagine I imagine happened. But that story piece is so important because it's really hard. It's hard to otherize, to, to dislike, to hate even, oppress, right? Somebody that you get to know, right? And, and uh, relationships are built around story too. So that's such a, a beautiful gift. But can we go back to that, to the idea of suspending judgment? Because as a school leader, right, the ruckus maker listening, they're hearing a lot of stuff, you know, and part of their job is to actually judge, to evaluate at times when appropriate. Uh, but sometimes we we go there too quickly, and so I'm just I'm wondering what works for you and how you've learned to suspend that judgment.
1: Mm, I think it probably comes from a core belief that everybody, everybody, no matter how adamantly I disagree with them is is acting from a place of trying their best. And it's usually trying their best to be safe for themselves and to make a difference, a positive difference for others. Now how they manifest that is where we're gonna differ. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone wants happiness. Everyone wants safety. Um, and most everyone also wants to be an active community member that that makes a difference, you know, that, that, that has something to contribute because that comes from the sense of belonging that we all desire. So I think when I listen to other, and by the way, I'm terribly guilty of not always being able to do this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so so let human, me put that okay. out there. I got, I <laughs> got to put that out there. Sure. Um, when I go into work with my hospice patients, I know I'm going into a moment, into a time where this is not about me. So I can put on this, this is not about me at all. I'm not the one dying yet, you know. So it's my job to be that blank slate that this person needs because in, I mean, think about what my role is in hospice as a volunteer is that this person has so many people in their life that have preconceived opinions about them who they have a certain status that they have to maintain. There's judgments that these people in their life, good or bad, have passed upon them. I'm coming in with no- none of that. I'm the blank slate, which is why I am the honored recipient of so many stories at the end of life, because I don't have that, that preconceived judgment. And I give them the sense through some discussions ahead of time, usually, that I'm not going to judge. And I'm going to be open to hearing whatever it is that they want to share with me. And in life review, a lot of people need feel a need to do that. So I try to bring that into my listening environment. Because as a leader, when I have to make decisions, I can't make those decisions till, until the people I'm leading have been properly heard. And I have made many mistakes, by the way, in that area. That's been a hard learned lesson, especially with my employees, is um, thinking I know what's best without truly listening to them. And so over time, and thankfully, I do kind of pay attention to my mistakes and the outcome, Mm -hmm. and I own Mm -hmm. the outcome. And then at the same time, I listen to people. I feel where they're coming from, and I still disagree with them. You know, I I still there are times that people want something from me as a leader that I do know is not the best thing. Uh, And and that's and the question is, how much time can I afford? And I know every administrator you're you're who's listening to this right now is nodding at this point. How much time can I afford to explain to this person exactly why I'm making this decision based on my experience? And when they disagree, they're still not going to get the full picture. And you have to decide at what point to just say, this has to be my decision. You can still do that, though, with a sense of compassion, I think. And I think one of the most powerful things that I have learned to say and that I feel can be said to me, I hear you. that, that is. It's not saying I agree with you. It's saying I'm listening to what you're saying. I'm giving witness to what you're saying and trying to say back to the person what it is their concerns are in a compassionate way that lets them really feel like you're not just sitting there nodding. You're not just um, paying lip service. You're really trying to understand what they feel, why they feel it. And I think when, when you do that, that kind of listening, you it will shape your decision. You may still decide to go on with the same thing, you were going to do before, but I bet it will it will shift it in some way, you know in some way you'll be able even if it's just to deliver the message slightly differently
0: yeah I think it lands it lands differently and right for the ruckus maker listening they they can't just steal those words those magical words I hear you that's not gonna work if you don't mean it right and people can they know they know, and so what you said um I'll just model like you reflect back right what what you what you heard. And that demonstrates that you were listening, right? And the one thing that I would add to our discussion uh, is you can check in as well. Did I miss anything, right? right. That, that gives the opportunity just for more follow-up, more dialogue, but especially like if you have somebody coming into your office and it's it's something that is incredibly important and they need you to hear, right? By saying, did I miss anything? If you did miss it and it was that important point, you can still get it and reflect back. Even if you do disagree with the decision or the outcome, the person is going to say, well, at least Megan, at least Danny understands where I'm coming That's from. That's right.
1: And let me tell you, Danny, you, you know this, and your ruckus makers know this. One of the hardest things to do is to give that com- kind of compassionate listening when you are being judged.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When, when the person you're listening to is having a hard time listening to you. And it's it's tough because you are as a leader, you're in a position of authority. And by that very nature, you are the other. Mm. You know, you are the one who has power over them or over the outcome. And it can be very challenging when somebody when that emotional burden is in your chair uh, because it is upon you then to then give more compassionate listening than they are. But a boy, can it feel lonely. There can be days when you're human too and you just don't want to hear yet another reason why someone thinks you're wrong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I feel for administrators and leaders, it is not an easy job to, to be in that place, um, especially when you're trying to give compassionate listening. And because you still disagree with them they may still feel not just that you're wrong, but that you didn't hear them, even though you did listen and you did repeat back and you did say, am I missing something? They may still come out with, but this is, this is really, you know, they really didn't hear what I was saying. What they're really saying is, well, they really didn't agree with me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's a distinction there. So I, you know, that was a masterclass on I'm, I'm listening for sure and empathy and I think building relationships with, with people you serve. You know, your experience and your expertise uh, creating these educational experience through play and games and, and story. If this is resonating, and I think it is with the Ruckus Maker listening and they want to incorporate more story into their leadership and maybe it doesn't come natural to them, right? Do, do you have any advice on how they might
1: start. Yeah, sure. Well, it's funny because I just gave a talk on this today, which is before you can tell a good story, you need to know your clients. You need to know the people you're talking to. So mm-hmm. you actually need to know their story. And everyone is going to bring their story into your story. Mm-hmm. So um, you every, you can have a theater full of people and they're all watching the same movie and they each take something different out of the movie. They each like different scenes different moments and that's because we all bring our our own story in. So having an idea of the audience that you're speaking to, what are the challenges that they face? Keeping a good tab on who the people are that you're talking to and trying to convince because that's a lot of what a leader does is trying to convince people. Mm. That's what leadership is, getting people on board with what you the kind of change that you want to enact. So understanding your, the, the listener and then by through understanding them, you can then create a story that hits the sweet spot of what it is they're looking for. Understanding what are their motivations so that when you speak to this objective that you have, it can mesh and fit with those motivations as well. So it's it's. It, I'm, I'm making it sound like it's pretty complex, and it actually kind of is It's a lot of work, depending upon the the um how important it is that whatever this is that you're bringing to the table. right you know, and there are times when you may not have the time to do that. i'll every leader will find a moment there ju- this has just got to happen so quickly. How much time do I put to getting people on board and for what I would say is, give it enough time. That, that you're uncomfortable with the amount of time you're giving it. Because if you're comfortable with the amount of time you gave it, there's somebody in there that didn't feel you gave it enough time.
0: Right. So
1: give it more co- time than you're comfortable with. That's a good goal for me. And then you'll you know that at least you pushed it past what you thought was was the acceptable amount of time to get people on board knowing their background and where they come from. And I'm gonna point your, uh, I think your ruckus makers have probably listened to your previous podcast, but I spent some time listening to your (laughs) podcast. And I I have some of my own personal favorites, but um, when you go back to uh, this season's episode number 29 and number 49, um, Dr. Darnisa Amante Jackson, Dr. ABC, they talk a lot about belonging. Yeah, And you heard me use that term. And uh, I'll go more into in your last questions, those, the, the, the three things that I would put in, three priorities I would put into my school. And one of those is belonging. Right. Because when you have a sense of belonging in a school, there is so much that, that you can ask of your school. When you have a sense of true belonging, you'll be open to hearing more, to stepping outside your comfort zone, and to really learning without belonging i would i i would posit that if i didn't have a sense of belonging in a learning community i will not be able to truly learn hmm. because a very big part of learning of real learning isn't acquiring new knowledge it's actually challenging what you think you know
0: hmm. Hmm.
1: Let that one sink in for a little bit.
0: Yeah, that's a juicy one for sure. <laughs> that's
1: a nice one. You could have a whole topic based on that. Yeah. So, because we all come in with our preconceived notions about things. And when we are exposed to something that counters those notions, then it can be, it can push us back. But if we have an established sense of belonging in a community, we will feel safe, safer in being able to challenge that. And be able to step outside that that comfort zone and being able to go, hmm, I never thought of it that way. And that's when you have not just new knowledge coming in, but actual change, actual growth that's happening. And I feel like I feel strongly that's an element of what schools need to do is is inspire that idea of challenging what we think we know. If you can accomplish that. You essentially create a lifelong learner because lifelong learners love that. They thrive on that. When mm-hmm. they learn something new, it's like, whoa, I've been doing yeah. that We're all wrong for all this yeah. time. And, you know, and ruckus makers come in and they, they dismantle systems sometimes. Right. <laughs> you know, they are shaking things up and, One of the first things that they have to do, I bet you a lot of them realize is before they can make a ruckus, they've got to create a sense of belonging. Because if you get everybody on board, if you get everybody feeling like they belong to it, then you can start making some big changes. And so a lot of that comes from cultural awareness. And that's kind of where this other project of the culturaled.net came from. Um, And which is my own personal project as well as the company project, because I want to have um, people feel like all voices are being heard. Mm -hmm. And so it allows them to have access to these professionals who are cultural educators from those cultures, members of those culture who can come in and and teach you. About things you don't know about the kids who are in your cl- in your school.
0: And that's it's all about it's all about belonging, and when you have that piece, uh, really the the sky's the limit. You know, it's limitless potential to me. So I think this is probably a good place to take a quick break uh, for some messages from our sponsors. But when we come back, Megan, let's let's hear uh, your vision for what you're building there, and I'd love for you to paint a picture of what people will find at culturaled.net. <music> Develop your structures, systems, supports, and culture for excellent teaching and learning in every classroom for every student as part of Leading Learning, a brand new certificate in school management and leadership course from Harvard. Topics include aligning systems with instructional vision, creating structures for your students' academic and character development, developing your teachers, navigating change, and more. Leading Learning runs July 21st to August 18th, 2021. Apply by July 9th. Enroll by July 15th. Get started at betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash Harvard. That's betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash Harvard. Are you automatically tracking online student participation data during covid Innovative school leaders across the country have started tracking online student participation using TeachFX because it's one of the most powerful ways to improve student outcomes during COVID, especially for English learners and students of color. Learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer at teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. That's teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. We're back with Megan Gardner, the founder of Guardian Adventures, and somebody who has also created a very cool tool for educators, culturaled.net. We just, uh, I mean, you just got a masterclass on listening, storytelling, and then the importance of belonging. And I'd like to invite you now, Megan, to talk a bit more about this tool that you are creating, CulturalEd.net.
1: Sure. So, um, as I told you before, it kind of came about when I started looking for cultural educators for our adventures, and it was very hard. It's it's be, to find somebody who's not just an educator, but educator who specializes in a specific culture, and. So I did, I I was frustrated by it. This was this has been for the past 10 years that we've been working with cultural educators and I found said, you know, I need to make a database to be able to find where people could come and and, and list in it and it's all free. You can list on it and then uh, I can find people to hire for my company to create these uh, these wonderful adventures specializing in stories from their culture. And then I thought further lately which is, you know, the whole diversity, equity and inclusion which is largely around not just culture as in a foreign land but deaf culture the culture of people with disabilities mm-hmm. um the culture of someone who is neurodivergent so there's there's these culture is is a thick term it means so much right so what i really wanted to do was create a database which would explore a wide variety of, of topics of cultures and diversity, equity, and inclusion. And, and so that schools, not just schools, but movie producers, authors, marketing agents, anybody who's trying to depict a character, a story, history, they would have a whole database of experts to go to, to be able to, who have a specialty in that topic, even board of directors of corporations, and they're looking to diversify their board, which we mm-hmm. all know is a major topic for a lot of corporations. Uh, I heard a funny term the other day from a women's speaking agency. They called them mannels, which is manels. the all man, all mannels, all man panels, mm-hmm. where it's mm-hmm. male, pale and stale. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. Um, and she, her, her objective is to get more women Sure. on boards and more women on panels. And I thought, well, why stop at that? Well, why not just have multiple views and multiple perspectives from many cultures and, and from many lived experiences? Why wouldn't a board want that kind of diversity? Because it's, it's it's not just about your business experience. It's about your lived experience as well. Mm. And And if you are serving a wider demographic, you're really going to want to have people who come from that wider demographic. So, so that's our dream on this. And and I was just so surprised this isn't already out there. Right. So we we're putting this out there and we're making it free for people to come in and list, and free for people to come in and and to search on the database and hopefully give attention to other cultures and for the the world of of um entertainment and education to have a tool to help them understand diversity better.
0: Gotcha. And so we'll link up uh, culturaled.net for sure yes. on, on the show notes and people yeah. can check that out and leverage that amazing uh, resource to bring more inclusiveness into their communities, which thank you for creating that. What a what a gift thank to you. the world. Yeah. I know too, uh, you have a, a, a free experience coming up in the middle of July. yeah. And do you mind just explaining what, what that is in case yeah. uh, the Ruckus Maker listening wants to participate?
1: Sure. Yeah. So Giancarlo Brado, who is the co-founder of Catalyst, which is a global organization which brings um, educators and administrators, largely administrators, together from all over the globe. And then they, what we do is we create a free event for people to come in and tackle a problem together and brainstorm it. And in the group, inevitably, people have different approaches, different solutions. And that diversity, the global diversity is so key because you're going to get a wide variety of solutions. And then what we do is we document all those various solutions. There's presentations, mini presentations. This whole thing happens in the span of less than two hours. Wow. And yeah, and then we put out the the, the knowledge. Basically, here's what people are are suggesting here different approaches and then you have a community that you can kind of a supportive community in your group who you can kind of now you know brainstorm back and forth as you try to take those actions because it has to have output of actionables uh, and try to incorporate them into your own school. So I'm really excited about it because this topic that's that's going to be coming out is about integrating cultural education into your school in a way that makes your school feel more inclusive for all of your students and staff. And... Um, yeah, so we'll be putting a link in the in the notes uh, for how to go ahead and register for that. Again, it's free, and we just want to get this this important um, topic out there and make it a, a point of discussion.
0: Brilliant. So, yep, like you said, the the link to register for free will be in the show notes. I will commit to. Um, you know, spread in the news through the weekend resource as well. So uh, if people miss it uh, for some reason on the podcast, and we'll, we'll get people registered for sure. All right. So I asked all my wonderful guests the same last two questions. Cannot wait to hear how you answer these. Uh, Megan, if you can put a message on all school marquees around the world for a single day, what would your message read?
1: So is this to students or is this to administrators? Is it to everybody?
0: I think a lot of people read it as they pass by. But if you want to have a target audience, that's up to you.
1: I would say first and foremost to everybody, you are enough.
0: Mm-hmm. No matter
1: what anybody else can say or judge, you are enough, especially to you, the, you ruckus makers out there. Who at times are feeling really lonely, at mm-hmm. the top, the the ones who are instigating so much change. That's probably the biggest the the, the mantra that I would like to give them. You're enough. Um, I'm gonna leave it at that. I could think of a, a bunch of other things, but I think that's probably one of the one of the most powerful sayings for myself, uh, especially as I'm trying to shake things up, and and cause a little trouble in the world, <laughs> good trouble. Good trouble. Um, yeah. Then um, that's probably where I, I would go.
0: Brilliant. And if you were building your dream school, you, you're not limited by any resources, your only limitations, your imagination. Megan, how would you build your dream school and what would be your top three priorities?
1: So as I mentioned, one of my top priorities, of course, is a sense of belonging. Uh, And that comes from that community uh, that you have, that you feel like you are making a difference in that community. Um, It's more than you. You belong to something bigger, something more powerful than yourself. The next is, of course, using games and stories, because stories, of course, create that sense of belonging. Games are because they create the number two and number three, the sense of belonging uh, are the, which is number one. Number two is autonomy. And the last is progress. So autonomy is where I have the ability, of course, to decide how I'm going to navigate a game. And a game is an extremely autonomous um, experience. And if the game is really good, it will actually go a step further than autonomy, which is agency. And agency is that I have the ability to affect the outcome. So it's not just a, I either win or I lose Agency means I can actually can create an option that's beyond that. That's not just win or lose. And we could do an entire podcast just on that. (laughs) (laughs) Sense of progress is the last. Now, progress, I don't define progress actually as being not failing. Because I see progress as being, uh, actually failure as being a necessary ingredient of of progress. So uh, I would redefine failure. Uh, as being that necessary component of progress, but a tangible sense lets me know how I'm doing in the progress uh, as I'm progressing through. And I'm actually going to point um, to one of your previous episodes um, with uh, Mary Grassa O'Neill. Monique Burns-Thompson from Harvard, and they put together this incredible program. As soon as I heard about it, I went online to check it out. And if (laughs) I was an administrator, I'd be totally signing up for this. This is a Harvard Certificate of School Management and Leadership. Yeah. And the way she described it, if I understand it correctly, they take a case study And they they reveal part of the information to you, uh, to the group, and then they try to troubleshoot it. And then they reveal like what happened next. And then you keep going from there. And then while you're doing that, you're also translating that experience into your own school, which is that vital transfer of education, by the way. It's an incredible program because it's like a game. They really did take this live action role playing experience and they brought it into Harvard, which just delights me because (laughs) I actually guest lecture every year at Harvard about using live action role playing and games and stories in education. So I thought this was a brilliant approach. Um, And that is a great way. So they took a, a case that I am personally not involved in, but made me step into those shoes and try to figure out how to solve it. And so, again, suspending. My disbelief, my judgment to be in the shoes of another person, try to figure out how to manage that that problem or that challenge as they would. Brilliant. Uh, so, yeah, so that's that's actually quite in alignment with what I would do. A whole lot of those types of situations in the school where you're standing in the shoes of somebody else, especially somebody from a different culture.
0: Megan, you know, this this uh, conversation was One of the most enjoyable. had so much depth. There's so much there for people to chew on. It was a meaty, meaty conversation. But of everything we talked about today, what's the one thing you want a ruckus maker to remember?
1: So at the same time that I'm saying you're enough, I'm also going to say it's not about you. In other words, when you really are listening, you've got to remember When you're truly listening, it's not about you. It's about that person. Later on, it can be about you when you have to make that choice. But in that moment, to take it back to my hospice experience, make it about them. And then when you can truly hear them and truly feel for them, then you'll make the right choice.
0: Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker.